0: we have to continuously focus on what is also going to work for the supplier. And so Jamie, I don't know if that's what you're hearing in the UK too, that suppliers are hesitant or is there a lot of um, angst about pursuing cards because of that?
1: I think, yeah, I think it's a mix of both. And I think, I think there's a bit of education. I think there's, you know, both from the businesses who could use uh, cards for, for payments and also the suppliers you know that if if there's a if there's a charge somewhere who's paying it is it the supplier right. is it the you know is it the customer effectively so i think there's a bit of education and if you like let's turn this on its head um let's be controversial let's this is a good time to be controversial why wouldn't businesses use cards to make those small small dollar payments or small uh, GB payments. I mean, the reality comes down to, I assume, there's some element of risk to making a payment by a card. So there's a set of rules. There's a transactional risk, you know, that you've got to control the transactions. Um, and then there's also the legislation part, I'd imagine, where you've got to get the right uh, documents from the countries you're paying. But, you know, Lynn, Mary, what, what's your thoughts? I mean, again, I'm listening here, sitting here, listening to Lynn, thinking well, it makes sense for businesses to try and do away with these small values. So, so, you know
2: what I hear? I would say in the U.S., about 80 percent of the companies take credit cards, take of some sort. And it, it's been that way for a while and the number doesn't seem to be increasing. And when you talk to people, you hear things like, well, our CFO is afraid that people would use uh, the card for personal purchases. They figure we'd have, think it'd have fraud. And I'm thinking to myself when I hear this, why are you hiring people who you don't trust? Okay, at the end, I mean, I want to, I don't say that because it's a tacky thing to say, but I really wanna yell at people, why, you know? And I think it's a misplaced fear. Yeah, somebody's going to use it incorrectly, but it's going, it's going to be few and far between. Lynn, I'm going to stop ranting and raving and let you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay,
0: there there are a few things here. So, um, you know, the the fraud element, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you have to, again, I don't want to speak to every individual contract because right. I don't, I can't, um, but generally speaking, there are protections for the um, buying organization whereby one, if it's external fraud and a cardholder looks at their statement and they see something, they have no idea what it is and and, and whatnot. I didn't you know, they buy can... that. Exactly. Uh, you know, so you can, you know, obviously report that and, 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 you know, get your money back and and not be liable, just, you know, like we are as consumers by and large. Uh, when it comes to the internal element of potential cardholders um, making a personal purchase, well, that too, there are usually some protections in place or um, things offered by the card issuers that can protect the organizations from those employees that, according to Mary, you shouldn't have hired anyway if you didn't <laughs> trust them. But you know, <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, so there are protections there. Uh, you know, and and even when we were talking earlier about the duplicates, you know, again. If you find that, you know, you have paid a supplier via, say, a P-card, as well as through um, a, a AP method, you know, non-card method, you know, you can, you know, go back and dispute that card transaction, dispute that duplicate, and hopefully then, you know, get your money back. So um, there, there are so many protections, you know, on, at that level. But I do think, um, from my understanding, the, it, it, beyond the U.S., beyond North America, there are maybe some steps that um, European, UK organizations could be taking to further improve the foundational elements of a PCARD program. You know, it's like kind of really stepping back and saying, do we have all the different controls in place? Do we have clear policies and procedures? Have we identified the roles, the responsibilities? Are we willing to hold people accountable? Uh, do we have an auditing element, you know, that that can help catch um, anything perhaps that is not correct? You know, and there are so many different factors that go into just the, a strong card program. If you build it correctly, and you can make adjustments even after you know you've really gotten going with cards, but right. if you build it correctly, I mean, you shouldn't have the tons of problems that some organizations envision.
2: Right. You know, so th- do you think it's, it's it's more imaginary than actual? Like, do they fear something that's worse than actually would happen?
0: Well, and, and that com- that comes into it too, because if you read industry articles out there, at least in the U.S., there are so many articles about peak card fraud. And by and large, they are saying it's coming from public sector organizations, you know, like at a government or, or higher uh, education institution. And that's not because they're worse than the private sector, but they're the ones that land in the news because of their right. public sector status.
2: And, and um, uh, freedom of information. We have free something called Freedom of Information Act, Ovi. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. And, and so, I you know, it,
0: yeah, it, it, it does play with um, controllers' minds or CFOs' minds. And you just still, again, if you go through and have a well-built, well-built program with internal controls, you're far minimizing the risk. But I will say, and I don't even know, Jamie, if you want to go here, but you know, one of the biggest challenge, at least um, you know, over in the in the UK or in Europe in general, is the VAT challenges. Oh. And I don't want to talk about that. I'm I'm not um so I don't feel qualified, let, but let's throw hurdle. it back.
2: Let's throw
1: it back to him.
0: Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you, you asked why wouldn't they use P cards? That's a challenge they have yeah. to overcome. So
1: But I think I think Lynn, you know, it's, you're right. Absolutely. I mean, in the UK, yeah, tax VAT, uh, that is I consider it as a challenge, but it's one that can be overcome. And I think that organizations that just don't do things because of a challenge obviously are the rights of organizations. So yes, VAT in the UK, although it's not very complex, it's not like in the states where you have oh, um, God. <laughs> masses of legislation and masses <laughs> of tax tax issues. We have one standard usually. Um, but it is it is a blocker. Um but if if we turn this on its head again, so this is part of Accounts Payable Appreciation Week. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in live. And thank you for the people watching this on replay. Um, again, look, the whole thing this week is about celebrating accounts payable, procured to pay folk. Lynn, you wrote a blog um, that both myself and Mary have looked, commented on. Uh, you, you're constantly promoting best practice, and, and so is Mary, clearly. Um, the blog itself is about how AP folk, can really help themselves. What's the best practice? So I'm gonna open the floor to the two experts. How can AP get involved in making payments more effective? What parts of the process can get involved? Because this is all about collaboration. So open the floor to both, please. Mary, well,
2: so do you wanna go ahead? He effectively well, yeah, well, steered the you conversation. Know, so, yeah, so what I like to tell people, I'm going to, just gonna talk a little, and then I'm gonna throw it back to you, so I don't think you're getting off the hook. Um, so, so what um, we like to tell people, And I think this is true, regardless of what country that you're in, take a look at your payments. How many payments do you have? How are you, how are you making them for us? How many are checks? How many are cards? How many are ACH? Uh, How many are wire transfer? And then you get it, you know where you are. And then you not only want to look at how many, but what is the dollar amount? And, you know, our big uh, push here now is those chat, those, uh, portion of payments that are paper checks that are under $100, $250, or $500, just to get them onto cards, which is where I think they belong. And so, you know, for the European audience, just think pounds, euros, whatever your own currency is. Um, We have the the same 80-20 rule. Um, It it might even be, you know, even worse than that. Um, And then decide how how you want them to go. Lynn, I know you've got a lot of suggestions on how to get uh, how accounts payable specifically can get involved in the card process. And maybe this would be a good time, if you don't mind, to share that.
0: No, of course, that it's a great topic. And Jamie, you were indicating that you have a live event coming up where you want to discuss accounts payable and procurement, you know, working uh, more closely together. And that's a huge part of of this. Um, I think AP can be leaders in initiating that relationship. Um, You know, I think historically AP doesn't get enough credit or, you know, besides the credit aspect, they're not given enough, you know, opportunities to really shine. You know, they're sort of pigeonholed into this area of make your payments, process invoices, and that's what you do. But I think even if not given an outright invitation or opportunity, that AP can step up to say, hey, you know, I have done an analysis of our payments, as Mary just suggested, and I see that we've got this clear, uh, you know, separation between, you know, what we consider low value or high value, uh, you know, and, and initiate a discussion around how can we make things more efficient. Because you know, on the on the other side of the of the table with procurement, I mean, sometimes they get stuck rubber stamping purchase, um, you know, re- uh, purchase requests, requisitions, making purchase orders for things they know nothing about, and they're just stamping things and moving them along. So it's about both sides realizing that they can add far more value to an organization if you can take care of some of the tail spend or most of the tailspin, but as Mary said, start at lower dollar amounts and just keep working your way up until you hit a point where you feel like you've got a good separation. But then if procurement is not rubber stamping things, they can be more strategic in selecting suppliers, you know, getting contract terms, um, you know, in place that address that whole purchase to pay process and, and how things will work and, and, and the timing and so forth. And accounts payable can work on, you know, what are the metrics? How much are we spending? Are we meeting uh, internal goals related to days payable outstanding or um, you know, kind of extending the float or the working capital? And and both sides can just be doing more for an organization if both are not so caught up in addressing that low dollar spend. And so I think AP can just take the lead and and say, let's do this and, and bring people together.